0: You're listening to the Zoe Turner podcast business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Thank you for agreeing to come on and it all happening really, really quickly. I really appreciate that.
1: One of the numbers you sent me was a 917 number.
0: Yeah, I'm in Dubai.
1: Oh, you're in Dubai. Oh,
2: Is that yeah. where you live?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've lived in Dubai now for 10 years. Yeah? I, I'm ready to leave, I have to say. I've probably been ready to leave for about, God, a long time, but I'm still here. I'm still here at the moment.
1: What's it what's it like living there?
0: It's It's a great place, but, I mean, I've been here, like, 10 years and uh, I'll be honest I I get quite lonely here you know when I first moved here I moved from the UK and I was literally doing a job which I hated I was a child protection social worker and um I was literally just kind of like burnt out and stressed out I did that for 10 years and alongside that I was managing properties um I bought a few properties which I which I managed myself I was very hands on and I was literally just stressed out, totally stressed. And I got the opportunity to move to Dubai, get a job as a financial advisor. And um so it's essentially it's a sales job. And um in yeah. a quite cutthroat, you know, and I'd never worked in sales before. But um so I came out and a lot of determination. What I loved about about it was um everyone was just positive. You know, I'd come from a career where a lot of people had a victim mentality not just the service users but even the people like I worked with you know they didn't enjoy a lot of them didn't enjoy the job it wasn't very well paid and they just moan all the time so I moved from that to a very like dynamic environment but it was a massive culture shock I remember driving down have you ever been to Dubai before uh,
1: I don't like it. I've been there twice and I, I, I must admit it's not one of the places that I would yeah. rush back to.
0: Well, I have to say it was never on my wish list. Surprisingly enough, it wasn't like if you could have said, like, where in the world would you like to go to? Dubai would never have been on the top 10. I have a tendency sometimes to stay places longer than necessary, you know? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we maybe we all do that, you know, remain in yeah. situations.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like the UK, so I, I, I have a house in the UK, which I am going to sell, but I, I, I spend most of my life now in the, Al, in the Algarve, yeah. but I've always had a, a property in the Algarve for the last 22 years.
0: Okay. Do you still have, uh, your family are still in the UK, yeah?
1: Yeah, one of my, my oldest daughter's going to come out here, though she's she's looking, she's just made an offer on a on a business out here, so if it goes through, she'll she'll move out here.
0: Fantastic. And then your two other girls, they're still in the UK?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, one's at university and one, she just started, she she does eyelashes, so you never know what my daughters are doing, they're they're crazy.
0: Yeah, okay. Do you mind if I, is it okay if I press record? Yeah? On the Zoom? I'll press, I won't get started straight away. Is there anything in particular you want me to touch on or anything you don't want me to talk about?
1: About anything, you just talk. I mean, if it's a subject, I don't want to, I just say I'm not going to talk about it. That's how yeah. I deal with it. Like, Ex- open book.
0: Excellent, so, yeah, brilliant. I read your book, by the way, so it was fantastic. I've got a documentary
1: at the moment on Amazon Prime. Oh, really? Um, Frank, from Frank to Kelly,
0: yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I'd like, and that's out at the moment, is it?
1: Amazon Prime at the moment, and then I'm having another feature documentary, which is being made by a big American company at the moment. Um, I don't know when that will be out, but they're doing that. But That's all I really do, other than public speaking now. I try not to, uh, you know, I mean, we talk about it as we're talking, like that. but I mean, I don't, you know, I don't like that. I don't see myself as a celebrity. I know everyone describes a celebrity, but I don't like that lifestyle. Quiet life that I live here. It's one of the reasons I like living in Portugal.
0: Whereabouts in Portugal are you? I live near
1: um, Tavera. Okay. I live in a little, little Portuguese country village, farming village.
0: Okay. I often thought, well, I've often thought many times that Portugal might be my next stop.
1: The nice expat community here um, and the people are lovely here uh, and they like us. They like the Brits here, you know, and... and everyone is very helpful but if you're coming here it's not dynamic so do not you have to sort of step back and realize that it's like i suppose like mexico why do today what i can do tomorrow that sort
0: of attitude yeah manana (laughs) manana okay i'll i'll start with the introduction thank Kelly. um you know for purpose of the, the the podcast so uh Today on my podcast, I am interviewing former boxing manager and promoter Kelly Maloney. After years of hiding her truth from the world and in many ways from herself, Kelly has made the brave decision, she made the brave decision to transition to become a female. Many of us go through life hiding from our truth because sometimes the consequences are far too painful to face. And that's why I'm super excited to be speaking with this inspirational, courageous lady today. So welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you, Zoe. How are you, Kelly? I'm good.
1: I'm very good, enjoying the sunshine, um, following the the rules of the lockdown and what's going on at the moment of the COVID-19. And um, to be honest, I'm just enjoying life. I'm in a very good place um, and... I can't, I can't moan. You know, there's always someone worse off than me. That's how I look at life. Right. And um, uh, I sort of just think to myself, you know what, well, if I could choose anything, I would choose the life I live now. You know, to me, where I live is like my heaven on earth. And wow. um, I'm just very lucky. <laughs> That's all I can say. You
0: I, sound I'm very just... blessed. So my next question, you pretty much answered my next question, which was going to be, what are you grateful for today?
1: Well, I'm grateful that I'm alive because I had a few near misses when I was in a bad place. I'm grateful that I now can control that dark tunnel that exists around me. And, you know, and I think most of us have that, um, issue. I've learned to control that with the help of my family and my daughters and obviously my counseling and, um, and, and, and very good friends. You know, I, I've changed my life totally around. I've gone from being a boxing promoter to a high profile trans woman to just a woman living her life the way she wants to live it now.
0: What do you do to maintain kind of your mental health? You know, I'm very big on routine, especially on my morning routine. Really, really strict about that. What's your routine? Do you have any specific routine?
1: I don't sort of live by routine. I'm sort I live in organised chaos, but because I do have three very large dogs, I, know, I have to get up every morning, um, and I have, I have a hot lemon and ginger mm. and honey.
0: Oh, it's one um, of my favourite drinks.
1: Then I, I'll, I'll walk the dogs. Anything up to an hour, or depending on if it's hot or what the weather's like, I'll walk the dogs. I'll come back. I'll, I'll let my chickens and my uh, guinea fowl, my turkey out, and I'll check they're all right. And then I will normally do um, an hour's workout, and on a Wednesday I have uh, four clients that I do uh, one-to-one personal training with, and I have a client in the UK that I do training with over the over the over the, uh, WhatsApp or Face FaceTime, mm-hmm. and um, then I may have I potter around a little bit, then I may go for coffee. Um, and meet some people, or I just go into the little village and sit there and watch the world go by.
0: And then, it sounds like you've got a pretty good life going on. Yeah, I,
1: I you know, I, I, I do still work. I mean, Sam, you know, so like, I, I, I check all my emails and I respond to everything as well. In between. but I can do that sitting in the cafe, so that's why I like it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what training do you do these days? Do you still like hit the pads? Do you do any boxing?
1: I do um. I still manage a female boxer. I mm-hmm. actually manage a couple of boxers, but one is active at the moment. But obviously, with the virus, everything's very hard. So it's mm-hmm. like a little bit still. Personally, I I work on the punch bag, and I I do a few, a few boxing exercises in my own routine.
0: Let's talk about your your transition, Kelly, um, because for you it was um, it was a long time coming. I I said to you before um, the day that. I've read your book and I devoured that in two sittings I thought it was um, it was incredible and it certainly opened my eyes up a lot because I'll be honest I knew very little about the trans community and it opened my eyes to the inside turmoil that growing Um, up
1: you know (laughs) I think it depends everything changes like now everyone knows so much about the Gender dysphoria, and there's so much help out there. There's so much uh, advice. Some is good, some is bad, um, but there's help there, and people are more accepting of it. Though there is at this moment, it's crazy, or sort of backlash and attack from the right wing press and right wing people and certain feminist groups um, that are very anti-trans women. Mm. Um, but overall. There's a lot more help, you know, and a lot more advice, advice, and guidelines. When when I was very young, there was none of that. And to be honest, I did. I knew I was different, but I didn't know what I was different about, and I didn't know why I was different. I, I didn't. I knew I was never gay because I never, I never was attracted to boys, or if I'm honest, I wasn't attracted to girls either. Um, and I. I was brought up in a very um, macho family, you know, very working class, um, Irish dad, um, very sport minded and with two brothers. So and it was it was very competitive. You know, um, our father liked us to really take part in lots of sports and watch sport. We we were never allowed to help my mum in the house, which was crazy. You know, (laughs) my father would go, that's a woman's job. My boys don't do things like that. You know, and today, you know, my I, my father, up until he got to his sixties, he maybe even a little bit, of, he didn't, he'd never made a cup of tea. You know, um, never boiled an egg. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he started being able to get, get up and do his own breakfast. and like, oh, the world's changing. Yeah,
0: same <laughs> as my dad, really. Like he, um, he had to at one point because he broke up from his uh, his partner of thirty two years, and he lived. She was still living in his house, and he lived with my at my brother's place. So he was forced to look after himself. But like your dad, he'd never done anything. He'd just gone to work. He hadn't made a cup of tea or cooked or done any any of that type of thing.
1: My dad broke. My mum and my dad broke up. My dad went through a bad. Both my parents went through a bad stage of depression um, because they couldn't handle the breakup. And then my dad came sort of back into my life. Well, and. He met a woman, and I think this other woman helped my dad. I, my mum again was a very old, traditional mum from an Irish family. It was her job to look after the family, to make sure the dinner was on the table. And I think the new woman that my dad met, um, she was slightly different. Yeah, so my dad was a little bit more. She was more, yeah. Well, let's go out. Let's do this. Let's eat out. You know, my dad started eating out more. Um, but I think for the first time, he he started flying as well. You know. Um, life you know and it's great that you live through all these different um changes in, in in your lifetime you know i you know my age now, I would have thought when I was young my age you were old, you was on your way out, but now <laughs> I still think very young,
0: I know I'm literally forty eight now and like I just think God, where have the years gone but and I remember when I was younger you'd look at four. it's different now though well, I think it's maybe it. We just think it's different to when we were younger, because when we were younger, looking at people our age, it was. You'd think they were, like, really, really Uh, old.
1: I use my real age. You're ancient. But I I met my age from transitioning, so I'm only six.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned your parents there. Um, What really surprised me? Like, you just mentioned that you you came from quite a traditional family. Like your dad was traditional and your mum was traditional. Yet, when you decided to live within your truth and tell your family about it, the, uh, unfortunately, well, I don't know whether it's fortunate or unfortunately, but your father was no longer here, but your mum was. And she responded, you were very surprised at the way this is the impression I got from, from reading your book. You were really surprised about the way that she responded. She responded absolutely incredibly and accepted everything. And I just kind of wonder, have you ever thought if you'd maybe told your father? Because there were so many people when you kind of you know, told them about your transition and, and what had been going on over the years that you thought may have responded a certain way. But they didn't they responded very positively did you, have you ever thought that maybe your dad might have been one of those people? has that thought oh, I, ever crossed your mind?
1: Still does today I mean I know my father passed away in 2009, and if I'm honest or 2010 it might be, I can't remember no 2010 it was ten years today this this yeah. um i I often lay in bed at night and you know I think and I actually speak to my dad. I know that might sound crazy, and and I ask him, and I just say, Dad, you know, I hope you understand what I went through. I hope you're as proud as me as you was as proud of Frank, um, you know. And I mean, I never get a response, so I never know what his answer is. But I don't know. It's I, I've my mother says he would never have understood. My brother, who's just started talking to me after ten years because he didn't in to that first transition, he has. Said my dad wouldn't understand. Um, My other brother also says my dad wouldn't understand. And I and my dad's ex-partner before she passed away, she said my father would never have accepted me or 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 understood it because she she never did either. She never she did never accept why I transitioned. Not that I saw much once my father passed away. I'll be honest, I never saw much of her Mm -hmm. because my mother was a, and to me she was my father's companion and partner. And I had a lot of respect for her because of the way she looked after my dad for his illness and everything else. But when my dad passed away, for me, there was no reason for me, other than if you know, I did see her, to be bright and well mannered to her because her links with my family or with me, I personally, I felt were over yeah. because my mum was still alive.
0: Yeah. And I felt that loyalty to your mum. Yeah. I
1: just felt respect my mum. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my children's went and saw her because they they called her nanny too, or whatever mm. her, you know, and I had no problems with that. Um, but you know, I, I I did sort of have problems with her trying to sort of because she was my dad's wife. Uh, I used the word muscle in and try and be that my my children's um, grandparents because she never had no children. Mm-hmm. She, she, so she never had no children, but to me. My mum was alive, so I could never, ever accept that. And I used to have to tell her, "Look, you're not my children's grandmother; you're step relations." Them. It's very much like today. People say my children disrespect me because they call me "baby" when we're out in public, and I go, "No, they don't disrespect me. That is, I am their dad biologically, and they have a mother. So how can how can I disrespect?" The mother of my children, which I don't, you know, I'm very friendly with my two ex-wives, which is very nice, and you know, we talk. We, you know, I'm much closer to Tracy than I am to Emma's mum because obviously that, that was a that was a very long time ago. But but only last week I went out to dinner with Emma and her mum, you know, and I just think that's uh, that's nice, and I, I think you know they must wonder. How did we never know about this woman who was married to this person? You know, and I don't know if they did know or if they had any sort of intention. They did. They will never say they did. But I, I, I think there was little signs, but not enough signs to make people worry. Because sometimes I remember once my daughter went to me, "Why are you sitting so early?" Like, and I didn't realize I was doing that. And I, I said, "Oh, I, I, I was just daydreaming." As soon as anyone like, I was very. was very much into making sure that I was seen as very macho and I think that was a lot of the problems one of the reasons a lot of the comments I made which were quite outrageous in certain times and 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 offenses I hold my hands up to that but it was all like you build a defense in front of you you build a brick wall around you and 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 that was the way I done it by by being this arrogant little horrible man I used to think I was a very nice man, but people told me I wasn't.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure you. I'm sure you were. I'm sure there was nice sides um, to you back then. Um, that's for sure. And we all go through stages when you know saying things that we shouldn't, and you know, especially I guess for yourself, being in the public eye. You know, it's it must have been a, just a very bizarre experience for you.
1: When I, when I was growing up and I was always taught because I was in the box business from a very early age and I was taught by some very good teachers. That's why I think I was quite good at the job. Mm. And told, remember this, no press is bad press. And what's in the papers today is tomorrow's chip paper. But yes, they were right in them days, but you forget the internet came along and the web said, or you put out there. I can go back on the internet and put up stuff that I said and I read them and I think, how the hell did I ever say that? But that that's not me. Mm. But it wasn't at that time. You know. Yeah. So people out there never, never follow the um, teachings that I was born to at the time. It, it's not paper tomorrow. It's on the internet forever.
0: When you retired from boxing, like really you had two very significant events in your life. Um, you know, you, when you were, you transitioned and then you retired from a career um, that you loved um for many years that you loved. Um, how did you navigate your way through that? Because just retiring in itself from a, a profession is, you know, along with that comes a lot of feelings of grief and a lot of loss. So you, not only did you have that to contend with, you had your, you know, the transition as well.
1: Well, I knew... I knew tr- transitioning that I couldn't stay in the business. Well, I, and now I go back, I think maybe I could have stayed in the business, but I, I had lost a little bit of interest. Yeah. If I'm, I, I lost the love. For, it became, it's a bit like what you just said. You think you've overstayed your welcome where you, where you are based now. I think you can over, like football managers, I think they can always overstay their welcome. Uh, or, or a chief executive, you know, because... And, and I I just felt that I was coming to the end, but I always entered boxing, and I always used to say this to everybody in my team. Remember, one day, this is all going to end. It doesn't matter how it's going to end, but it's going to end. You know, Lennox Lewis's career is going to come to an end. You could fall out with Lennox Lewis. Another fighter might come along, but that's going to... The careers are short. So mentally, I was quite, and I'm quite strong mentally. I, I think I am, you know, on certain aspects I am. And I was mentally I mentally prepared myself for it to come to an end. And I think, obviously, David Price losing his last two fights was fine, maybe in the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Because I, obviously, David Price was my golden goose at the time and was the one that kept my TV contract going. Oh, yeah. um, and losing two fights on the trot by knockouts is not the greatest way to renegotiate a contract. I uh, had young fighters, but the terms wouldn't have been as good. And I really, because on the second David Price fight, I did not want the rematch, and that's a well-known fact by everybody. I talk, I tried so hard to talk David out of the rematch, but David and his, his fists on it with easy. It's interesting drivers. that
0: because that you didn't want that. That's not. The impression I got from the book was that you didn't want it, but you were too tired to, like, argue about it. You were, you know, it was almost like you'd lost that kind of passion to, like, say, right, this is what I want. And But really, in re- in retrospect, maybe if you'd gone the route you had, it might have been a different, different outcome there. But I don't know. Could have, would have, should have.
1: What people don't realise was I actually was transitioning, but I was living a double life mm. at this stage. I was living as Kelly. Part of the time, and I was living as Frank, and I was actually on hormones. I was quite emotional more than i would ever been in my life, and I, and I also think that also affects all my judgment and everything. Not mm-hmm. um, that I'm saying women are can't be successful in business because that's not what I'm trying to. What I'm saying is, I was like there was two people pulling inside me. There was the side that I wanted to be, and I wanted to let out, and there was the side that was trying. There was the Frank that was trying to keep Kelly out of my life forever
3: mm-hmm.
1: because I. I would lose my family. I feared I would lose everything. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. Kelly was a strong personality, and she, you know, she thankfully she did come through in the right way in the end. And um, I, I just realised I couldn't go on because the two people fighting would have would have killed me. I would have, you know, uh, often I'd sat there and, and thought about suicide, you know. And it's been a known fact that I've attempted suicide a couple of times. Three times, I think overall, four times. But one was just for help. I, I did the first one. I honestly admit to that. It was just for attention and help. But um, and and I just felt I can't do this because if I don't, if I don't in terms with myself, if I don't face myself and accept myself, no one will ever accept me. Uh, and I'm going to grow old miserable. If I grew, if I grew old, that was you know, I you don't know what was around the corner, and I'd lost my love for the sport. You know, um, I, I just didn't, have, I didn't have the, I didn't have that drive and that passion that I had right up till. I, I suppose it'll sort you, you. We've got to step back from David Price as well. I also lost the Fight a very great fighter that I had great high hopes for, and I really knew could be a world champion who, who I found committed suicide eventually. They killed themselves because the Irish, the Irish boy. And I actually had a heart attack after that, and I was in hospital. And I actually signed David Price while I was in hospital in my bed, haven't just after my heart operation. If I had signed David Price then. I would have resigned from boxing anyway. Darren Sutherland thing really, and I haven't really spoken about this, but because but I've had lots of times, I started looking back at things and trying to analyze my life and why things change in someone's, And that was it. And, again, I go back a bit further as well. I had a great little fighter in Paul Ingalls, who I had utmost respect with too. There was Paul Ingalls and Scott Harrison. Both of them cases ended in tragedy. and. So my love and my passion was beginning to fade anyway. And every time it faded, I don't know how it happened. Like Darren Sutherland came into my life. So it picked me up and went, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it, then all of a sudden, the tragedy happened with Darren Sutherland. And I I want to get out. But then I get the phone call, David Price is willing to sign a contract was offered him, which was before I found Sutherland. So I'm now in a situation where, okay, I'm going to sign the contract. But David Price will keep me going. And that, but there was nothing, I had not, I had never prepared for after David Price because I, I just felt mad. I honestly felt after the first Thompson fight. After I came mm-hmm. out to Tracy after my my father's death, I knew there was, you know, no going back because the, the counselor told me once I took the lid off the Pandora box, mm-hmm. you don't know, put on that box. And I'd done that and I, I just wanted to live as the real me, to be honest, you know, um, and I don't think the boxing world at that time would have been very accepting of me. You know, I don't think they are today, but some aren't, some aren't. You know, I saw some of the tweets. I saw some of the social media. I saw some of the recordings by top promoters in boxing, which have since disappeared because we've looked for them for one of the documentaries and they have mysteriously disappeared. Um, obviously we pulled down
0: what people say like to the media what maybe what they should say and possibly maybe what goes on behind the scenes you know, Yeah, for pulling uh, stuff
1: down and I and I I, I don't think um, I think I needed that break I, I I think you know my I burnt I burnt all my fuel and I, I was on another, i was on a I was on another journey I was on a journey to discover myself and to me that was more important than
0: me yeah, and it sounds like you know what you experienced with inboxing it's probably really helped what's the word to use prepare you for for what you were to experience the likes of dealing with Don King for example, who you would do anything that you could to discredit you. You know, and all the difficulties that you had around that, and you know, you've got to be made of pretty tough stuff to to deal with all of that. That, that rubbish. Yeah, I,
1: I'm very lucky. I I I am mentally, in certain aspects, I say I'm very strong. I think I'm quite, I'm very emotional, which I never were. I wasn't as I was emotional as Frank, but not as emotional as I am there. Um, and I do blame the hormones. So I don't. If females don't, that's the one. Honestly, and I say, and my daughters say, why don't you just stop take those hormone tablets or patches, whatever you're on, because you're too emotional, you cry too much, you know. And um, I, I don't know. It's 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 a complete. You know, I look at what I remember what my counselor said to me when I finally said to my counselor, "Do you know something? I'm now I I'm I'm locking. I am going to become my true self. I'm ready to face the world." And she said to me, you know what? She said, Kelly, you've got to look at it like this. She said, you are starting your life all over again. She said, you're going to have to learn to walk, learn to sit, learn to talk, learn to go out. And she said, if you start dating, you're going to have to learn to date again. She said, it's totally different. She said, think of your friends. I said, what do you mean thinking of my friends? They're not coming on this journey with me. They're not transitioning. She went, no. She said, they're going to be retiring. She said, and they're gonna be either playing golf, going out to lunches, sitting in the pub, or gardening. She said, You are gonna be living a whole new life and experience something completely new. She said, you know, it's you don't realise in a way how lucky or how what you're gonna go through. She said, it's mainly it's gonna be a bit of a bumpy road. We all accept that. But if you you come to 100% terms with yourself and you can accept that you're going to have an amazing life. And do you know what? That counselor was really true and right about it. Is. Has been, you know, I have spoken to a few friends who are sort of don't know what they want to do with their lives no more because they're coming to the end of their working life and they've got no concept of what they want to do. Where I'm still learning and discovering things, you know, all right, my transition was six years ago. No, yeah, five years ago, let's say, maybe six, I started coming. So, so I started coming out earlier. But living full, living totally, and be, being the real me. And I am still learning things today. You know, and and, and it's it, it's amazing. It's um,
0: it, it's it's fantastic.
1: If I'm honest, yeah.
0: Yeah, you sound like you're in a good place at the moment. And when you did transition, like you were so worried about what people would say well I think it was more so your family you know you had a lot of the responsibility and the guilt was you know that you wouldn't hurt your family which I completely understand and I can't ever begin to think what you must have been going through you know on the outside of things you really were accepted by by a lot of people and and by your family too or or most of them that must have been incredibly reassuring for you
1: yeah, I you know as I say, I think I'm very lucky. I I think you know all of us from the trans community, we fear rejection, we fear losing everything, we fear the very much loss of a family. You know, I've met some girls and, and boys that have transitioned the other way, that have been lost everything. You know, uh, I've also known a couple that were on the same journey as me, but never got to the end of the journey. Unfortunately, they took their lives. Uh, you know it's a very it's a very hard journey it's a very sad journey and some of us are very lucky and I've met some that have got the same life as me and some that have, that have, have done this journey but live under under the radar shall we say they've just moved into the and they live a very big like what I wanted to do and I know that if I had a, if I wasn't Frank Maloney the boxing promoter, I would have done that because I never had a problem. When I when I started living as Kelly and going out and that, no one bothered me. I never got looked at twice. I never got picked on. I never got um, name called or anything like that, maybe because I was only five foot two and I was quite slim. And um, I, but when, when my story broke, it obviously social media and the idiots, you know, in the world, as I call them the lager, the the keyboard warriors, um, they decided they could have a it gave them um rights to attack me. And not just me, to attack the trans community. And and I'm not a trans activist. I don't I don't want to be an activist. No, I, I don't want to put myself up there on the pulpit. I want to help and support people and I do help and support. A yeah. lot so online, uh, privately, I do one to one talking with them. I talked to quite a few parents that children are going through it. Um, But I don't want to be out there, um, you know, every day because I also feel sometimes some of us in the trans community, we are our own worst enemies. We may demand too many rights when all, you know, I understand we should have health care, and I think that's very important. We should be given the same sort of... um, treatment as anyone else on the national health um you know it's it, trans, gender dysphoria is not a mental issue i do believe it's a medical issue mm-hmm. because if it wasn't I doctors you know i i heard Treasures may speaking and saying it wasn't a medical issue but to me it is a medical issue because i saw more doctors than anyone during my transitioning so it and i do think you know we we pay our taxes the same as anyone else so we are entitled to the health care that everyone else should be entitled to you No, know, i'm not saying all the treatment should be on on nhs because not all the treatment is is necessary but there are certain treatments that are very necessary for for people like myself um to make their life full and complete and that sort of treatment should be available and we shouldn't have to wait three or four years like the waiting list is and things like that because that that's wrong because, you know, I paid as much taxes as the next person to me. You know, I was lucky that I had the money to go private so I never had to go through all the... I didn't have to jump through all the hoops and um, jump over all the fences because I, I went private. Um, and, you know, I get a few trans people attacking me because of that. Uh, oh, it's all right for her because she had money. You know, um, but I worked for my money. Exactly. It wasn't as if I was I wasn't given, you know. I, I didn't I didn't just pick it off a tree. Mm-hmm. I worked. For it. Mm-hmm. I, I I worked even at times when I was really suffering depression. I still worked and ran my business. I had, you know I know a few transports say, so, "Oh, we can't work because we're in such stress, we're in such pressure." You know, we and they want everything. You there are there are certain lines. Like I've got a friend who transitioned at the same time. And her life was made a misery at work. So she had to sign off at work. But she still never went through the NHS. She um she was saving her money while she was working. She eventually got a financial settlement with the company because of the way they treated it and everything else. But it took a long time and it took it to show how strong she was to stand up to them people. And I think that's what some of us must learn to do in the trans community. Stand up more. For our rights and for our, um, protection, but not make enemies. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, if someone disagrees with me, that's fine. If someone doesn't underst- understand me, that's fine. They're entitled to their opinion. I'm not going to go to war over someone saying I'm still a man because they think that they can think what they like. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Sure. you know i i'm, I'm not going to respond i actually think it's better not to respond to anyone because you're giving them a bit you're you're just ignoring them because of their ignorance
0: yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. do you um do you still get depression kelly you know i'm,
1: a, I'm a... I, I, yeah i, I yeah, a couple of weeks ago i hit a brick wall i didn't talk to anybody and i didn't go out eventually my daughter sort of got me talking again and she came out to see me and it really helped me. Yeah. Um I don't know why, because my life wasn't in a bad place at the time. It's just, yeah, I, I do say that I live with this dark tunnel. Yeah. Around, and every so often I slip into this tunnel. Well, not every so often, thank heavens. Now and again. Um But as long as I can see that light, I can pull my way out. Of that. When you go further into the tunnel, like I did in October 2018, when I couldn't see no light. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was really, really bad. And I ended up in a psychiatric hospital um, here in Portugal. And I think that might have scared me as well. Mm-hmm. And i realised since then that I could never go in a place like that again.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it has helped me. So I, I think I've learned to control my depressions a bit more better now. Mm-hmm. And it helped the dogs. i realised, I know this sounds silly, but if anything happened to me, Who's going to look after three bloody monsters? That, um
0: <laughs> I'd have them. I absolutely love dogs. But I'm, yeah, you know, I'm,
1: I'm. We're family. The dogs and me are me a family. Course. The, ch- yeah, you know, turkey and me a family. So it's I. I've changed my life around in that way. Mm. And you no, know, I'm not going to say I'm never going to go into that dark tunnel because, as I said, I I started slipping in there about a couple of weeks ago, but I managed to get out of it pretty. Not as quick as I got in there, but I managed because it was something very, um, very special to me, and I wanted to get out there because I know where I went before, and I don't want to go. I don't want to go to that place again.
0: Do you meditate? Do you visualise and meditate?
1: Not as much as I should do. I, I, I'm not great at holding my concentration. I'm, I'm, I'm an active person. I. I would go in the gym more than I would meditate, to be
0: honest. I think with anything, it's it's just a matter of practice. Being able to still your mind, um, you know, obviously the first few times you do it, it's not going to be easy. But the more you practice, like the easier it gets. I do guided uh, meditations. I'll send you some through. I do them. I release them on my podcast. So I'll send you some. I mean, they're only short ones, so they're great as a you know as a starter. yeah, just for like 15, 20 minutes or so. And um, they all incorporate breathing as well. So I like Very begin
2: inter- to yeah, breathing properly,
0: yeah. Right. Yeah, I just think, you know, if you do a little bit of breath work before you um, meditate, it just, or before you still your mind, it just kind of primes your body for kind of relaxation and it gets all that energy flowing, all that stagnant energy. I'm sure you've heard of Wim Hof, yeah, Iceman. Yeah. Have you ever tried any of his guided breathings? He's got some on YouTube. They're like he's got a longer one for about forty minutes, but he's got a short one for eleven minutes. And I'm telling you, they're absolutely incredible. They're amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, if you've not tried them, it's definitely worth maybe okay, giving like them it. giving them a Give go. Me
1: the Give me the link. I'll have a look at them.
0: I will do, Kelly. I'm keen to know what your um what your view is on um. Transsexuals, um men who have transitioned to women playing professional sport.
1: I'm a great believer that sport is open to everybody. I'm a great believer the sport should be a level playing field. I honestly believe it depends. I don't think someone who's is just starting their transitioning should be allowed to compete in women's sport. Um I don't believe in I don't think that's fair. But I believe it depends how far They've transitioned. Depends how far the level of testosterone is when it's measured, and more to the point, it's it. You go by the. I don't think women's box. There are certain sports that women and men can't compete against each other, and I also think also you'll never see women and men compete against each other. And maybe there are certain sports that trans women shouldn't be allowed to compete. Um, one could be boxing. Um. You know, because um, they listening to some of the medical advice, they say that we still maintain that. But I can only speak about myself. I know I'm a lot weaker than I was. I know I'm not as strong as I I was. My endurance is not as good as it was. But maybe as well, that's a little bit of age with me as well. So I. Uh, but to me, there's not been enough medical research into this. There's too many don't know what they're talking about just jumping on the bandwagon and one is Sharon Davis the swimmer mm. she you know when I will not make a full and honest comment other than I believe sports open to everybody it should be a level playing field um, and you know the trans people that are in sport are not breaking no rules they're following the rules of the governing body so again the argument is not with us trans people it's with the governing bodies So leave us alone and have your argument with the governing bodies. Um, you know, Sharon Davis moans because she was beaten by an East German that was on testosterone. That person who beat Sharon Davis was not a trans woman. It was a woman that the East German, because it was an East German at the time. And we all know what the East Germans done. They were pumping their females full of testosterone to make them stronger to more, more determined. So their level was even greater than probably most men's was, you know. So, and it was a long time ago. So let's, you know, let's let Sharon Davis get this right. She has never been beaten by a trans woman. You know, name to me any trans women that have really excelled in sport. There's none. There's none. This great fear that everyone's going to all of a sudden want to be a woman just to compete in sport is crazy. So until the full medical reports are done and you know and as long as we as trans people follow the governing rules of the bodies the sport that we're taking part in we're not breaking no rules
0: okay what do you think about um you, like you transitioned very late on in your life um what do you think about younger people transitioning i mean you know you can have a sex change from the you, you know age of 18 and i know there's um a friend of mine, her, well, she's my best friend. I was br- a bridesmaid. Her daughter dated a guy. I don't know all the details, but I believe he went through the transition and then he regretted it and wanted to go back. Um, what do you think about this happening when someone's, you know, when they're really young? Do you again? It's there is,
1: there are certain guidelines that we all have to follow. You know, this is you can go to war at 18 you can vote at 18 you're you're technically an adult at 18 18 is you know most people at the age of 18 have their mind made up what they want to do um so to me at 18 that's not a that's not, to me that that is choice of the individual um if they really believe they're trans they've got trans dysphoria and they want to transition that's not that's not, but again, they won't exactly transition to that eighteen. They still have to go through all the um loopholes through the journey, see the right people. You are going to get one or two people who the glass always looks greener on the other side, so you may get one or two people that may have been think they're either a lesbian or a gay man, but they think no we're not we're really. A woman or we really a man and they want to transit and then when they transition they realize they're not I, I can never use the names because my counsel never told me but a counselor I was seeing she was seeing a middle a guy from the Middle East who was living with a, his partner who was the middle East his family would not accept him because they were two men and in, that, in their community gays are not accepted but he was under the impression that if he transitioned his family would accept him because he'd be a woman. And his family, and when he told his family this, the family said yes. But what he doesn't realize is by transitioning, his partner wasn't in love with a woman, he was in love with a man because his partner's gay. So, if he transitioned, the counselor's trying to tell him that your partner may not be in love with you anymore. That is not the answer. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't believe people should transition very young in age. But I also believe that if a young child believes they're born in the wrong body, I have talked to a few parents who said to me, and I would say, look, I'm not a doctor, so I don't mean I can only tell you what I would do. And my philosophy would be, I would just say, okay, just continue normal. No, if they've got a boy who wants to put a dress on, just that, but don't make a big fuss about it. Don't show, don't put that on him. Just let him do it, and then... Move on with the day. It's it's all about support, care, and love to me it, for someone that's young. That person will find if they're really transgender, that will not go away. So when they get to a bit older, eighteen, nineteen, and if they then they go on that journey of transitioning. You know, I'm not an expert in it, so I yeah. I can't. Be, I I you know I can only tell. What I know, and and I think that if you look back, there's a lot of self-harm. The transgender community have the biggest rate of uh, suicide and attempted suicide than any other group in, in society. So there must, you know, all I know is that I'm a much better person since I've transitioned. So for me, it was the right thing to do. And I'm sure there's much more people who a lot more then regret transitioning because it's been, um, it's, it's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, I guess when you're younger, there's just the whole identity thing, you know, like I'm a different person now to what I was when I was 18. And I think we all go through that, those maybe identity crises when when we're younger. I mean, how many genders are
1: there out there now? I, I can't keep up with the different genders. And I don't understand them. I honestly don't understand them. There's gender neutral. There's um, um, gender queer. You know, you keep going. Gut- there's two spirits. There's gender drag. You no, know, I know someone that it depends how they wake up in the morning, whether they're a man or woman. So, in, you know, I was brought up to believe there was only two genders. Um, and there was, shall we say, three sexualities and bisexual. So, four. But when I say two genders, there was three, there was intersex. There's always been intersex where, which is slightly, because I, you know, I've met a couple of people that are intersex as well. Um, and that, that's very hard because their sexuality is chosen by the doctor at their birth.
0: So, uh, what's intersex?
1: Sex is where they're born with both, um,
0: uh, both organs. Both gen, gen, genitalia, right, okay, got you. Now one question here that I want to ask you, knowing what you know now, what would you say to your younger self, knowing what you know now?
1: I, I think I would say to my younger self, do you know what, you've got to be brave, you've got to face yourself, and you can live a really nice, a good life. Um... Yeah, and if I went back on my life, would I transition earlier? Part of me would say yes, and part of me say no because I've been very lucky with the love of my children. So if I had transitioned early, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had my children in my life. Uh, so it's a very hard question, but I think I might have said to my younger self, "You know what? You've got to be brave. You've got to face the truth." That way, that way you may not cause it or upset as many people. Because I know this journey wasn't just about me. This journey was about my partners that I left behind and my children. So they've had to go on a, a, a journey and rediscover everything. So it's not just about, you know, transgender people who think it's all about them are very selfish people. It's not just about you. It's about family. It's about everything. and. You have to look at all that. You know, at the end of the day, you still have to go on your journey, because I had to. So it's, but you have to look at the destruction, the consequences, and final outcome. And I think, you know,
0: your family, you know, when you, you know, we all go, you know, get well, I say we are. I mean, I've started feeling over the last few years after the loss of my grandfather, I've never experienced depression before. And, um, and it hit me about five years ago. Um, so when you do, so I kind of can empathize with people now, whereas before I didn't feel like I could until you've experienced it. You, you don't really get it. It's like until you experience loss and grief before I'd lost my granddad, I didn't really get it when, people were grieving I'd go through the motions and say I'm sorry but but now yeah. but but now I know so but I guess what I'm getting to is you know when you do have like a couple of weeks ago you had a bit of a dip and, and a low time and you know it's I guess it's just really important to focus on what you have got in your life and you have got such a wonderful loving family around you you know you've um you you've got your dogs who rely on you as well but you've also got your kids um, and in many ways god you're in such a blessed position to, ha- to have that and there's so many so many people haven't got that and like yourself says, so many transgender transgender um you know individuals have, have just gone through the whole process feeling really really lonely and, and not having that support as well
1: yeah i know and it's hard for them and you know, my heart goes out to them people, and you know, I, 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 I just don't know. And it's all about, you know, society. You know, as I said, I don't expect everyone to understand or like me, but what I do is expect people to respect me the same as I would. Res- I respect most other forms of human life because we're all different. Now, the world is not black and white the way I thought it was, or the way I grew up. The world is black grey, there's a very big grey area and and white and there's also a few multicolors out there.
0: You've experienced so much in your life uh, Kelly, is there anything else that you haven't experienced, any goals or any future ambitions that you would like to, to work towards? I don't
1: know. Uh, one thing, uh, if I'm honest, the one thing that I think about is I had a very loving relationship with my partner Obviously when I transitioned that relationship came to an end. And I wonder and I mentally prepared myself that I would live the rest of my life alone and just have a nice social life, which I which I have got. So and as I said, my my ex partners are very friendly with me. But I, I I probably wonder will I ever meet anyone that I will share my life with? Or will I always be Kelly Maloney, the person that's invited to the dinner party and they're sitting there you know, chatting with everybody, very friendly socially, but not having a, have a partner. That's probably, that's, that's the thing that, and I, I, though I say that I built my life, I, myself, that's what's going to be my life. I don't say never. I do say if I walk into a room or I walk into somewhere and the light goes on in my head and that person connects with me, then I would pursue that relationship.
0: Yeah. It's funny I said a similar thing recently about my life because I'm single, I don't have kids and um I obviously I would love to have to have children so I kind of m- maybe experienced a bit of a loss there. I truly believe that I will meet someone. I truly believe that I'll meet, meet my partner and one thing that I do and it might be useful for yourself to do this is kind of visualization and, and meditations and like when you you're in that it's like living the event as though the um living the event as though it's already happened so this is something that I do a lot of when I'm being still and I'm meditating And the important thing is to feel the emotion of the event so it's like how would you feel you know when you're with your partner, you know, and you you experiencing that love, you know, um, you know, how how does that feel? Because it's when you marry the thought and the emotion together, that's there's a and this is not just woo woo. This is actually science. There's a lot of scientific research being undertaken by the likes of Dr. Joe dispenser who um, in recent years have have been you know doing a lot of research in into this and how. We can change, like the neural pathways in our brain, to to kind of elicit events that we do want. And when you marry the emotion with the event, it's... you
1: haven't got that. Say at night when you're sitting here and you want to chat with someone, I, I I don't know either. I could even think about that because I I'm very much in conversation with people, and I believe the person can't stimulate my mind. They're not going to stimulate my body. So there's no. Me having that emotion,
0: it's very, it is very, very powerful. I'm not sure how long we've been chatting for now, but I just want to ask you a couple of questions about boxing. Is that okay? Yeah. That <laughs> uh, do you ever think that the heavyweight division, because when you were involved in boxing, it was just incredible in the '90s, and it's never ever got back to that. Do you think it's ever going to get back to that? How it was. Okay. That's
1: what I said earlier. You can only live in the areas you live in. Heavyweight boxers from then are different to heavyweight boxers today. You know, people say that when I lived, but I never lived in the era of Mohammed Ali, Joe Frazee, um Larry Holmes, people like that. So it just goes in phases. So I'm obviously going to be honest and think that I lived in the best era of heavyweights.
0: Um, and I don't think of
1: it as good as that bunch that I was involved with.
0: But I think you did, um, you did live in the best era. You know,
1: and boxing then was a lot better. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a great lover of boxing now the way it's gone because I think it's lost its magnitude. It's more like producing shows for TV. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I believe in now, you know, especially with this virus because nothing can happen at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no boxer, unless he's with one of the big two, can get any work.
0: Dana, I don't know if you follow the UFC, but uh, Dana White's over here in Abu Dhabi at the moment on Fight Island. And um, I mean, that guy is just such a, a grafter, such a worker. But I know they're having fights, you know, uh, over there. Um, yeah. I don't know whether or not people are actually going to see them. i probably not. I'm not but so sure. Dana White is
1: a very clever guy. He completely... The UFC is totally run different to boxing. Mm. Fighters are signed to UFC, but boxers are not signed to boxing organisations.
0: Okay. One last question for you, Kelly. Um, When you're... What would you like your legacy to be when you're no longer here? What would you like people to say about you?
2: I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah... I've never thought
1: about that. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I've never really, uh, you know, I make jokes about it, but I've never really, on a serious note, I've never thought about it. Um, my legacy is what I leave behind. And it's, you know, I can't make my legacy. It's what people think of me. I will always. The first English manager to um, produce an undisputed weight champion in the world in a hundred years um, I will be known as the first boxing promoter to transition openly um i I honestly don't know you know I might be known for other bad things um and other good things um but you know as long as I can put my head on the pillar at night and know that I can sleep with myself. And wake up in the morning and lay straight in bed, what I think a lot of people can't do in the boxing world and in other worlds. Um, I'm I'm happy with
2: myself. That's incredible. Kelly, thank you so much for your time.
0: I certainly think you're an inspiration. I think so many other people out there do as well. And um, yeah, and would you say that you found, I keep coming out with all these questions, but last one, would you say that you found inner peace?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. But I'm at peace with myself now, and I'm very contented with myself. I'm not going to say that I don't have damn moments, because I do, but 99% of my life now is totally at peace with myself, and it's a nice place to be. And I truly, and I, and I, I truly think 20, when you're at that place, um, that's when everything that you want in your life is going to come. So. Let's watch this space. <laughs> I about lit someone in my life because I'm also another thing my counsellor told me that I've always never let anyone, never let negative people into your life. I did let a couple of people into my life and, you know, as I say, in 2018, I nearly killed myself over an issue. Um, you know, I thought I'd met someone not long ago. Again, it wasn't the right person. No, it, it's um, but that's not that's not to me. I, my daughter's is right. My oldest daughter said to me, "Remember this, Dad. Something you always told us: you don't need anyone in your life, but you'd like some, You'd like someone in your life." And I think if I keep to that philosophy, I'm going to be fine.
0: One hundred percent. And I think when these situations or relationships don't work out, it's just kind of paving the way for the next one or the right person to come into your
2: life You learn from everyone, every don't you? You learn from all your mistakes. That's, how I, that's what I believe in.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for being a guest today. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time
1: out. That's right. Will you send me the link? Will you put it up? I w-